You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 11. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Real Talk for Real Men. This is Guy Mullen, and I'm back again with Chris Field. Hi, Guy. It's great to be back again. And I'm really looking forward to talking with Brian Noble again. Uh, I think what he, he laid down for us in our last podcast was awesome. And now we're going to take it to the next level. So this is going to be pretty good. It is. I got a lot out of that last one. And, you know, I'm working with some men who are in a situation like we described in that last session, who, you know, maybe you're one of those that listening right now who have been separated from your wife. Maybe you see it as, you know, some of your fault. Maybe you don't see it as your fault, but it is a common scenario. And it was really good to walk through Brian's steps and and one example, which was not quite in line with his steps, but it was really uh, giving giving me and and hopefully those who are listening a lot of hope that even though things would go really badly in marriage or in relationships with the teenagers or with your adult children, there is hope to to reconcile. I would say if anyone's listening to this and hasn't heard the first interview with Brian. Uh, look it up on the, the podcast because I think you find the principles he explained there. We'll mm. probably go over them again today, but those principles are really awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, Brian, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. And uh, like we said, we got an awful lot out of our last session, but um, we need to assume that some listeners haven't heard uh, that first episode. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Peacemakers, Peacemaker Ministries? Yeah, Peacemakers was uh, founded in the early 1980s by a man named Ken Sandy. And uh, it kind of started out with attorneys wanting to find a better way to handle conflict within the church versus going to court. And so they came together and they published the first book called The Peacemaker uh, by Ken Sandy and uh, a great resource for laying a foundation uh, uh, for reconciling relationships. And so uh, from 19... 83, 84, in that area, uh, up to present day, Peacemakers has been around uh, helping thousands of people live reconciled lives. And uh, I'm currently uh, the executive director or CEO of Peacemaker Ministries, and we're launching our new resource uh, called The Path of a Peacemaker, and it's coming out uh, full-fledged. It's it's a great resource. So you've now got decades of experience as an organization looking at uh, bringing people together. Just explain to our listeners what it is that you do that kind of, or the, the nub of what you do to bring people back together. Yeah, so we, we provide training or awareness is the number one thing we do. We also provide uh, what we call conflict coaching, which is helping people to sit down and dialogue. And historically, we've done mediation and arbitration, which is more of our legal arm through ICC peace um, currently. So we, we uh, bring, bring environments where people have a safe environment so that they can discuss their differences and, and, and really begin to reconcile relationships. And when we think about conflict or tension, we really help them distinguish between what's healthy tension and what's unhealthy tension. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs that uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so that's really an idea of tension. Sharpening iron uh, is done through an intense process. And so uh, healthy tension, how we like to say it, brings us closer together. 
while unhealthy tension pulls us apart. And so it's kind of the foundation of where we're going with conflict or tension and looking at how do we, how do we deal with that? And I, as I explained before, it's really simple, uh, simply this saying, we all have a story. We need to ascend, go back to the Father, reflect, take personal responsibility, and connect, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. And so... <laughs> you just rattled that off so fast. I'm not sure <laughs> We caught that. But let, let me see if I can summarize it. And okay. I'm going to do it the slow way, okay? Okay, okay, go ahead. It's okay. We recognize this tension. How we respond to that will either make that good or bad in our situation. But we have our own personal kind of uh, rationale. You call it a story. And yeah. maybe for some people, that story is absolute fantasy. They need to stop and think through the reality of their situation. Correct. Uh, and then in the process of that, um, connect that back with God and sort of ask, where's God in this situation? What is he trying to do? And, and, and am I prepared to cooperate with what he's trying to do? And as right. we humble ourselves in and flow with that process, looking at the reality of our situation, right. recognizing that it is meant to be doing us good and letting it do that good in us, we can walk out of the valley of that mess a different person. Absolutely. You did it beautifully. That's you can great. Have that. <laughs> you got an A plus on the test. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the thing we really want to talk about today, because we, I was so intrigued by it when we we did the last interview, was the issue of how that actually applies in a more corporate setting. It's one thing. Uh, Guy was intrigued by the husband wife situation. You've mentioned right. all kinds of personal conflicts, but in a corporate setting, you've got a whole bunch of other players who can mess with it. It's so much harder. I mean, the the thing in my life that I, I least like to be on is a committee. Right, right. So in a corporate <laughs> setting, that's true. And the, I actually love committees, by the way, but that's another whole program. Um, but the corporate setting is interesting because oftentimes when we think of a gospel message, Jesus's death, burial, resurrection, and appearance, we think of it in a church setting. The fact is Jesus didn't die in a church. He died on a cross on the top of a mountain. He died in a, in a very secular or very public uh, format. So the idea that we have to limit our Christianity or our faith into the walls of the church or the walls of our home uh, is, to me, is not a biblical idea. So as believers in Jesus Christ, when we go into the corporate setting, um, we need to walk in humility in that corporate setting, yet with great wisdom. And so all of our principles are designed to empower the Christian to, to, um, to walk in that humility in the corporate setting. And we do it through the same thing. We distinguish between tension. Is it healthy or unhealthy? We look at the story and we try to figure out what is fact or fiction, if you want to use that term, or uh, we try to figure out what, what's reality and what's just speculation. Uh, we look at ascending, going back to the Father. Now, in the secular setting, what we say is, what's my core values? And so we look at what core values drive my life personally, what core values drive my organization, what core values drive my team. And some of those are written and some of those are unwritten. Uh, this really empowers uh, the believer to be able to share some of their core, personal core values, not in a preachy way, but in a, in, a, in a humble way. And then we look at how, what's their workplace identity? You know, where, how do they see themselves at work? Uh, and there's been a lot of research on workplace identity. And then finally, uh, what's our calling? What has God called me to do? And, and peacemakers are called to pursue right relationship. Well, are we, we're not only called to pursue right relationship in our homes, we're called to pursue it in our workplace. And actually, our coworkers, how can we live in right relationship? How can we initiate 
reconciliation or look out for the other person's interest or acknowledge that we have blind spots. And so that's the idea of ascend in the core, is going back to our core values that are either our personal core values or our organizational core values. Now, I loved last session when um, Guy got you to work through a scenario about a married marriage situation. Mm -hmm. Let me put a scenario to you to see if you can flesh this out for us. Let's imagine maybe there's a church board where there's deep divisions, or, or when I say board, maybe a church community or something where there's deep divisions. Some people like what's going on and other people don't, and it's getting to the point where it's nasty. Mm -hmm. um, what are the steps that you would take to kind of get through some of that? So on the church, on the church level, we would probably use our foundational because we have that religious foundation uh, already there. Uh, so we would use our, our foundational seminar, the path of the peacemaker. But let's just say like um, uh, we would use those same steps. We'd sit down, draw a circle on a piece of paper and say on this board, uh, whether it's a church board or maybe it's like a rotary or a, I don't know if you guys have that in Australia, but like a, a, a community group. Uh, what's the healthy tension that I'm experiencing? What's the unhealthy tension I'm experiencing? And so we start distinguishing and, and, and begin to categorize that. Then we would so, move but, to, they're, but they're even going to get conflict over that, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I can well, it, <laughs> but the first thing is to do it individually, though, and then when you're in the in the boardroom, you can ask those questions. Now, it does take someone who's good, and that's why we provide training for this, is good at uh, maneuvering through a group, right? right. So let's say, like, yeah. like maybe, so, yeah, facilitating the conversation. Uh, maybe someone says, "Well, I don't see that as unhealthy tension." Okay, great. So now I write on the board. Uh, we have a we have healthy tension that Bob, let's just say, can express his differences. Right, so there's a, a way of facilitating uh, people who are not kind of wanting to play along or you know go 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 on the process. So we would we would look at that tension. Uh, in fact, in in our training, we teach teams how to distinguish healthy tension before there is tension and and really defining that. And then we would ask, okay, what are what, what's what's the facts as we see them? Um, and we would begin to write down what the facts is. Maybe it's Bob. Uh, let's say in this scenario, Bob wants to buy a piece of property for the organization that he's representing. Sue thinks that debt is all bad and doesn't want to buy it. We'll just say that. And so, uh, and, and John, he's kind of neutral. And, you know, if we kind of got Bob, Sue and John, let's just say we have that scenario. So we'd write down the stories and maybe their positions in each of that story and, and begin to figure out, okay, the fact is the property costs a million dollars. The fact is that we it's a once in a lifetime, you know, uh, Bob feels it's a once in a lifetime uh, uh, deal. Sue thinks that there'll be a lot of other deals in the future. So we would kind of write down where each person is and just look at it from the perspective of gaining perspective of, of each other, gaining that story. And then we ascend, we go back to our core values. What are the core values of this organization? And, and let's say uh, the core value is that, uh, that we're debt free. And so some, some organizations and churches have that value. And then we would write down that core value. And maybe Bob said, well, I don't like that core value. So we have something else to just distinguish. Okay, well, maybe we need to decide our core values, and that will help us make a decision upon this, this piece of property. Um, I, I know in organizations that I've run in the past, oftentimes core values are assumed and not defined. Hmm. And that can be a source of tension. <laughs> and yeah. so... Uh, one guy, I, I, he's, he's now deceased, but he, uh, his name is Bill. 
he always liked to bring up core values when it when it fit him. And um, I said, is that your core value or the organization's core value? And uh, we would discuss that and uh, and decide whether it, uh, as a as a board whether that would be uh, everyone's core value or just Bill's core value. And that's what board members can do at times is place their their core value onto everyone else. Well, that may not be be true for the organization. So we try to define those things, those core values. And as we look at those core values, then we think about, okay, what's our identity? And, um, and that's the idea of uh, how does these core values play out in our, our daily life uh, and in our, in, for our organization. And, and then we walk as we would work through that in a group dynamic. And it is, it is, uh, it, it is a learned uh, uh, art, you might say, to moving a, a group of people versus in the last podcast, we talked about just myself as an individual. Uh, it, it's more artistic of moving a group through this kind of conversation because you have to be pretty, uh, pretty quick on your feet, be able to you know, kind of read people and draw people out. And we reflect and look at areas that we can take personal responsibility and then uh, reflect on our vision and strategy and goals. And then we try to figure out how can we connect by moving this forward and, and coming to a decision. Uh, so I don't know if that helps, but I will say it's not as uh, you, the listeners probably can see the difference between one person sitting down and having this uh, path with with themselves. It's much in one sense, it's much simpler because you, unless you argue with yourself, there's no one to argue with uh, where when you're doing it in a group, it, it, uh, it takes a little bit more training on how to handle group dynamics. Well, the, the, complex, the complexity just increases exponentially every time you add an extra person into the room, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's why we do training on, on how workplace training on how to, uh, ha how to handle these type of conversations. Yeah. And I guess in, in something like a marriage, the, the, there's an undergirding principle, which is the couple have come together at some point in the past and decided that they would become husband and wife right. or this parent and child, this, this, this brother and sister. There's something right. inherent in the background that binds that relationship. Mm. When you're just an employee sitting in a company, uh, happy to, to, to move on or do something else, or desperate not to get sacked because you're probably not employable anywhere else, all that other background comes into the equation. It, it, it's not quite as simple as, well, it, it, it's a different, different animal. It's a different dynamic. It's exactly true. As the intimacy goes up, actually, the intensity of conflict goes up, um, as mm. we, but also as the intimacy goes down, the, the least best resources or the uh, product goes down. And so that's where companies that can raise the intensity to get the best tension, where people actually care about the products or the services that they're providing, they will uh, fall in love with whatever they're doing and um, begin to produce better resources, products, services, those kind of things. Uh, but, but if you just simply don't care, then, you know. I think I need to hear you give me an example of your uh, company, your, your ministry, working through a corporate conflict environment just to help my head get around what you would do and how you would do it. Have you got an example somewhere there that yeah. you could do? So let me tell you a government example. So I had a, um, I was called in to help uh, the government uh, here, here uh, well, I shouldn't say the location, but here in the United States, uh, deal with a airport dispute. And so the idea that we come in, we have the public who, um, 
who is upset at the government for how this airport, it was a, a, a government owned airport, how it was uh, being ran. And so, uh, you know, we have all, if you can picture, we have on one side of the table, four, you know, three or four attorneys on the other side, three or four attorneys and 50 people. And then these county commissioners uh, that are there. And so we have a lot of tension in the room, you might say. And so I mm-hmm. said, tell me the story. And so they tell me the conflict and uh, we kind of walk through it. And I actually, uh, I actually said something like, uh, well, what core values are guiding these kind of conversations? And one of the county commissioners said, you know, I've had the value of always just telling the truth and taking responsibility. Well, that's right from the Bible, right? Get the log out of your own eye and <laughs> telling the truth is right from the Bible. And so uh, I said, okay, so he describes his scenario and, and what he should have been more truthful about and owned his part. And it's funny to watch his attorneys uh, sitting there, you know, typing very diligently and telling them, don't say any, don't, you know, don't say anything. And I asked the attorneys, Hey, you know, this is my process. You, you just need to kind of back off. And, and they did. And uh, so then he gets done explaining that. And I said, okay, so you've reflected now let's connect. I said, uh, what would you like to do with that? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what did your, uh, what did your grandma teach you to do when you've done something wrong? And, oh, he goes, I need to ask for forgiveness. And so he turned to the public and he asked for forgiveness for his behavior. And uh, uh, he asked if they would forgive him. So then I turned to the public and I said, what do you do when someone asks you for forgiveness? And they're like, I don't know. I said, what did your grandma teach you? Well, we're supposed to forgive. So who wants to be the spokesman to forgive? And so then they had someone come up and, hey, we forgive you and that we shouldn't have gone. And they start, you know, confessing their part to the conflict <clears throat> and the commissioners forgave them. And so even though it was a secular setting, you know, there's, there's many, I mean, God's truth is not confound to, <laughs> to, you know, just, just the, the church. Uh, you know, there's confession, there's forgiveness, there's, um, there's, repentance there was all these kind of things we we didn't necessarily label all those things that in that way though that's wow so what was the the end result of that whole journey <clears throat> yeah so it was a 10-year airport dispute that was resolved in 35 minutes and uh wow. and, and uh <laughs> it was simply because i asked them about their core values and what they should do with that core value um, what i hear you telling me in that story though was that there was some humility yep uh there was some integrity. Someone found a bit of integrity that they hadn't necessarily wanted to put on the table before. Right. Um, there was probably a fair bit of hard heartedness that got turned around and softened. Yep. I'd imagine in conflicts, there'd be an awful lot of that um, hard heart and other issues that would just get in the way. I, I will say that when humility steps into a room, whether you're secular or in a Christian standpoint, uh, humility always wins. I have seen it. And really, what, what is humility? Although Jesus existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. And it's the gospel, right? You know, when we're truly, authentically humble, and we are willing to die to ourselves, die to our agenda, lay that down, pick up our cross, and follow after Christ, even if we're not using that type of language, but our actions or behavior is that way. Uh, oh, I, at this point in my life, I haven't seen, you know what, actually only one time have I not seen uh, that responded to in a healthy manner. Only the, one time. 
why I'm jumping in here is that it brings me to um, an issue that I really want you to tease out because uh, I think it relates to some issues that I've had people come and talk to me about. And that is where somebody really doesn't want to forgive because they don't want to let the other person off. They feel like, okay, they've, they've, they've let me down. They, they, they haven't done well. Uh, I'm angry with them. They're going to come along and they're going to repent. I'm supposed to die to myself and forgive them, which means I effectively lose. And I think I've heard people say that to me. I, I'll get walked on. They, they see the process of forgiving and letting someone else off as a loss, a situation that they don't want to address. Uh, do you have any mechanism for kind of coming anywhere near that turf? Yeah, so are we talking about a, per, a believer that has yeah, that position? Yeah, talking about a, a, a Christian a yeah. husband and wife situation or something. Yeah. Well, it could, be, it could be somebody in that public, in that audience there, that is, you know, that is really angry at this person who is, who is you know, on the committee for the yeah. council and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, and they just don't see them as being good at their job. They've made too many mistakes. They've had enough of them. They want them gone. And if they repent or if they come in the room with humility, then that person will keep their job and keep doing what they're doing. And so it could be that scenario, not necessarily a, yep. a marriage. So let's, let's start with that same scenario, but we'll start with the believer. Uh, the believer would have this scripture out of Ephesians that says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Mm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So from, for, for the believer, uh, we are called by God to forgive as Christ forgave us. And if we were to combine that uh, with other scriptures, we know that God forgave us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, we can just kind of go down that whole um, thing. God forgave us while we were still in our sin. So part of that, if a, if a believer is making that statement, is that they don't really understand uh, the gospel and scripture, and that's what we would help them to understand and teach them. Um, and so the idea of being walked on, um, I, I would say, I would say this to them. I would say healthy tension says that uh, in abusive situations or that kind of things, that uh, a Christian is not just going to go back under abuse, that the Bible clearly paints the picture that when we have the way of escape, from abusive situations, i.e. Israel and Egypt, that uh, we are to try to get out of those situations uh, as much as possible. And that, uh, but whether we're in it or out of it, God is with us every step of the way. And so the, the um, most people, when they have those kind of statements are focusing on what the outcome is instead of focusing on uh, what's God bringing me through in this moment. And so um and teaching me about the gospel. So that would be for the believer. For the unbeliever, I would say it's difficult because they don't have the foundation of the gospel as their example uh, of, of humility. And so it would be about protecting this kingdom, right? I mean, it would be about living the most here in this world. And, um, and that's where there is a breakdown uh, when we talk about workplace concepts is that at some point I would have to have a private conversation and say, you know, where does eternity kind of play into uh, your, your view if, if you're going to have bitterness? And, uh, but that probably, that wouldn't be in a, obviously a public setting to humiliate them or anything like that. That would be in a, a friendship setting where we, we love on mm-hmm. them and, and care for mm-hmm. them. So 
For the believer, we have the clear charge by God to forgive. And th- th- it's clear that we define forgiveness, though. Mm. Uh, because forgiveness is, is an interesting thing. Forgiveness is not necessarily full uh, reinstatement of a prior relationship. When, was it Joseph was accused by, his, by Potiphar's wife to, uh, uh, to, of having sex with her, um, you know, he didn't just go back and say, oh, I forgive you, so I'm going to go back and do my work. No, she falsely accuses him, and then is, he's incarcerated for a number of years, right? And uh, yep. he experienced, Joseph experienced a lot of injustice. Um, so God reinstated Joseph. Joseph didn't reinstate the relationship himself. And so that's just really important. I could go into that whole idea of forgiveness and how did, how did he forgive and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. But I think you're, you're kind of seeing what, I, what I'm putting down here um, is that it, it is a touchy situation because there's so many variables and what ifs um, in it. Okay. So what you helped us understand in these, the two sessions we've been able to enjoy with you, one is that there's, there's a fairly clear strategy that we would employ in personal, interpersonal type situations. That same strategy does apply in the corporate setting. It's a mm-hmm. more challenging, probably a little bit of more talent to facilitate your way through all of that. Mm-hmm. But, right. And these things actually are biblical. Yeah. Uh, but in, in a secular context, you may not be able to uh, bring the biblical truth so clearly to focus. Now, I guess the thing that I would want to ask, because we probably only have another five minutes with you, what's the skill set that you would be wanting to build into the men who are listening to this Real Men podcast? I love that question. I think the skill set that we need to learn as men is really how to how do we become better listeners? I, I know men oftentimes say, I want to be the man of the house, right? I want to wear the pants in the house. I, I've had them tell them that. I said, well, what does that mean? And so, for some men, it means I want to decide if I get to buy the truck or I get to buy the gun that I want or, you know, I, I don't want her telling me what I could spend my money on. But I think as Christian men, at least, that we have a responsibility to be the men of the house of leading our family and going to the cross and showing repentance and humility. We should be the first ones calling our family to prayer uh, around the dinner table or, or, uh, you know, if there's, if there's a crisis in the family that, that we're praying for that, uh, we should be the first ones to, to own our part of a conflict in our families. Uh, so I think if we can listen to our spouses and, and really hear what they're saying, we'll then have the humility to, to model for them the gospel. And uh, so I would take two terms, skill set, listening, and humility, and we combine those together, and we, we begin to uh, serve our spouses really well in love. Now, you're specifically mentioning spouse, spouse, spouse. What about children? What about parents? What about work associates? What about siblings? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of defaulted to spouse, didn't I? I would say that the same truth applies. I think how, how it plays out in the workplace is maybe just very slightly different. You may not quote a verse, but you can still show the actions of, of, uh, of humility and listening. I, I challenge the guys out there, take the boldest step 
that let's say it's in the workplace that you could ever do. Go go to your boss or go to an employee and say, how can I be a better employee for you? How can I be a better leader for you? Hmm. Or how can I make the company more successful? How can I, how, yeah, how can I make it more successful? What can I do to show newness of life to you? You may not use that term, but you may say, what can I do to uh, uh, just improve as a, that's a position of humility. That's really the gospel, right? What do I need to die to? What do I need to bury? What, what, what do I need to, uh, to, to show you that I, I'm walking in this? How can I serve you? Um, those kind of questions. I asked my wife that one time. I said, honey, what do I need to die to? And trust me, she shared with me, you know. <laughs> That's a dangerous question. <laughs> but it was, the, it was like awesome because I, I'm just telling you, it, uh, that level of humility and knowing that I'm not justified by being a perfect hus- husband. I'm justified mm. because of the work that Christ did on the cross. And mm. so. Brian, I want to pick this up and just put yeah. another tweak on this. There are people that are listening to this who haven't been in a church for 20 years. They haven't been right. a pastor like you. Right. Their, their, their track record as a Christian, their experience is not there. They're probably really egocentric. They've probably made an awful lot of messes. And you're putting a very, very high bar out there. How does a guy who really has mangled his life and who's a bit of a mess, how does he take his first stumbling step forward? Well, it's never too late to do the right thing. And I can share my testimony with you. Uh, I've done alcohol. I've done porn. I've done <laughs> every other sin. Not, not maybe not every other sin, but I've done my fair share of stuff. And I will tell you that it's never too late to start doing the right thing. And I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of them is already talking to them about what's the next right step they need to take. And I can guarantee it's not about building up their pride. It's about walking in that humility that Christ gave as an example uh, to us. And so uh, I, I just say, start with the next step, you know, and less about telling people what you're going to do and just start showing them that you can do it. You know, um, I think that's a, that's a key. I like that. So it's not really about, about arriving. It's about being on the journey. It is. Absolutely. It's about being on a journey. And it's just like when I get frustrated, think about a guy who, who goes around the world teaching on peacemakers and I have a fight with my wife or I have a fight with the, you know, <laughs> with the person at the grocery store. And then they say, what do you do? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I have to, I have to eat crow or I don't, that's the same, but you know, I have to uh, yeah. do those kind of things all the time and say, you know, I'm a peacemaker. And right now my current actions are not living up to the core values that I have in my life. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I apologize for that. And uh, I, I'm going to aim to do better because none of us are perfect. No, none of us. Uh, but the God who lives in us gives us the power to walk in his holiness and his righteousness and, uh, and to, to help us be humble in those moments where our flesh rises up. Brian, that's fantastic. Um, but I'm sure there are people that have tuned into this who are going to want to get in touch with you. So we're going to have to get you to grab that again for us. All right. If you'd like to contact us, the easiest way is at our website. It's www.peacemaker.net. And I want to encourage you to uh, check us out. You can look at the path of a peacemaker. We have many free resources on there uh, from our current material to our new material that's coming out. And I want to encourage you just to come and and look into uh, what we can do to assist you to be better uh, men of God that honor and glorify him 
with your daily lives. Brian, what I'm going to do is listen back to both the interviews that we've done with you, the one we had last week and this one again, because uh, I think that it, it's one of those things that, that I need to hear uh, more often. I want to just recommend to our listeners that they might want to do that. Don't, don't see this as a one-off snack. Go back and start to graze over this material and start to put it in practice. Yeah, because I think we can all probably think of conflicts that we haven't properly resolved, right? And we go away from here, we're going to have more conflicts in the workplace, with our kids, with our wives, with our friends, and, we, and conflicts at church. And if we go into those situations with an attitude and with an improved skill set, then we might just hit off some major conflicts before they actually arise. So my parting comment before we say farewell is learn the skill set and start the journey. Mm. All right. This has been an inspiration. Um, thank you, Brian. It's, thanks uh, thanks thank so much for, for sharing with us. And we'd love to have you back on the show again sometime because there's a lot more that we can cover. We haven't even talked about social media. I want to talk about that oh, at some point. You did, yeah. So another time. Okay. But, uh, to, all, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we hope you've got as much value out of this as we have. And don't forget to check out Brian Noble and peacemaker.net. And also, of course, head across to realmen247.org. And we'd love to see you on Facebook. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you like and what you don't like about what we're doing. Because uh, if we don't hear from you, then we can't serve you better. So we'd love to hear from you. And it's goodbye from me. And from me. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.